in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, I've been working pretty much nonstop since I was 14 years old. I don't say that to brag or anything like that. Uh, well, that's not even brag worthy. People work. People work. I got my working papers, and uh, my first job was sanding, uh, uh, sanding and sharpening skis at Snowhouse in Hempstead, Long Island. And then I got a paper route uh, delivering Newsday. And then I worked at the grocery store, the food basket on 7th Street. I wasn't particularly. Uh, why did I? Why did I work? I, I, you know, my, I didn't have to contribute to the rent. Uh, my parents had that down. I didn't have to contribute to food. I guess I did it for spending money, which I, which I had. Uh, I didn't save it. Unfortunately, I did, never was very uh, good about that until much later in life. And then you realize, wait a second. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. What's this all about? Okay, you, you, <laughs> oh, buying a house someday, a down payment. Okay, so the frugality kicked in much later, but it did kick in. And um, I'm not a well, – some might say I'm a cheapskate, but no, I'm just very careful about my money and um, as we all should be. Um, got to live a little too, of course, and uh, got an invitation to go to uh, someone's uh, a very nice dinner, dinner party you would call it, but it's some distance away from us. I've been working all summer. I'm not taking any vacations. I take Friday nights off from the Newsmax show because uh, – well, I need a little bit of rest, but I'm not taking any time off. We have a new um, a new time slot, and I think it's really important that I dig in and establish that Greg Kelly is on Newsmax at 10 o'clock, all right? So I'm not doing too much in the way of vacation, a day off here and there. So one of the few occasions that I am going to uh, take some time off, well, it's a Friday, uh, we're invited to this dinner party, and I think we'll have to stay in a hotel. And the hotel... Well, it's summertime, you know. It costs $400. And that's enough money to make me think, okay, do we really want to go? All right, can we, after the dinner party, can we drive home? Now, yeah, all right, that's a little bit me, the cheapskate, kicking in. You know, once you start making money, then you realize, okay, wait, how much things cost? It's interesting. When I wasn't making that much money, when I, when I was just getting by, as a second lieutenant in the Marine Corps, what was I making? $25,000 a year, $20,000 a year. I just blew through all the money I had, not a care in the world. Now, you know, hey, no complaints about the income. I'm very, very careful about, okay, what are we spending money on and why? All right, $400. Hmm, is there any? Is there a better deal out there? Okay, all right, all right. All right, I guess we're going to do it, right? Okay, we're doing it. Mm, not happy about, well, we're going to make the best of it. Can I get a military discount, retired military? I'm that guy. I, that's what I look at. That's what I think. I, I'm not ashamed of that. I think that's an, an appropriate way to, you know, $400 for a hotel room. Then it comes to our president, the president of the United States, who was already a very rich man, very rich. And President Biden and his family, including his disgraced son, Hunter, are spending their summer vacation at a $20 million beachfront mansion in South Carolina, and they are not paying a dime. From the New York Post. How about that, huh? Not paying a dime. They could stay anywhere. He could stay at Camp David. All right. We give the president lodging for the weekends, anticipating that he may want some time away from Washington, D.C. in the swamp. Camp David, that's not good enough for him? Okay, what about his own beach house, the one that he bought with the money that he made because he was a government official and he did favors for people and he got kickbacks and who knows what? He can't stay there? What about the house he had in McLean, Virginia? It's got a great big pool. Nope, not staying there. Staying at some 
Some stranger's house. Oh, they're good friends. Some stranger to you and me, though. Some very wealthy financier. Let's see here. The uh, uh, Democrat donor Maria Alwyn. Who the hell is that? She is the widow of hedge fund founder James Alwyn. And he asked if he could stay at her nine-bedroom Kiowa Island estate. <laughs> and they stayed here before without paying, according to a source. Never paid. They're just friends. Ooh, nice to have friends like that. I bet he has friends who uh, aren't as rich, who don't have the house like that. Let me ask, does Mrs. Alwyn get to stay while Joe's there? Oh, no, we can't have that security reason. No, 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 no. It's just Joe's place. Just Joe. He gets that whole damn place. Meanwhile, I'm penny-pinching, sweating at 400 I don't like it. Another thing he could do, he could stay at any military base in the country. They have actually uh, uh, base housing. There's often a guest house. The general has a guest house. You could kick the general out. I wouldn't have a problem with that. You can stay at Quantico. Beautiful, big mansion there. He could. And we wouldn't have to pay any extra money. And he wouldn't compromise himself yet again. But that's how he rolls. And, you know, he's on vacation, in seclusion. Isn't it interesting that when... This unprecedented, uh, absolutely ridiculous raid of a former president of the United States. His own home is raided by federal authorities, and Joe Biden is nowhere where he can be asked questions about it. He is secluded. Do you think that might have had something to do with the timing of this uh, of this event? Maybe just a little bit. I think it did, actually. So there was a June 4th meeting, and they talked about a subpoena. They talked about these documents. They had two months, two months to decide they're going to raid. And now they're throwing out this utter nonsense, uh, something about uh, nuclear documents, nuclear documents. All right. Now, look, I I can tell you right now, I'll prove to you how President Trump is not on the hook for any of this stuff. All right. He is totally, totally innocent. I'll prove it to you right now. Um, There's video footage. That we have all seen, if you want to, if you haven't seen it, you can look it up. But I found it from January 20th of 2021, and it shows President Trump getting on Marine One, leaving the White House, and guess what he's holding in his hand? Nothing. Okay? It's just him. He doesn't have any documents on him. He's just walking. He didn't take any documents. He can't be, he can't be nailed for this. This is, a, this is another setup. This, these are dirty cops. I saw him get off of Marine Corps One with no documents. And then onto Air Force One with no documents, no papers. And then off of Air Force One in West Palm Beach while he was, was he the president at that point? I think he was actually, when he, set, when he stepped off of Air Force One, was he the former president? He may have been. Uh, no documents. That may sound silly, that may sound simplistic, but I think right there you can say the President of the United States did not take any sensitive documents. And any time, by the way, we're debating the, 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 what's confidential, what's not, the details of the Presidential Records Act of 1978, we're playing their silly, corrupt game. The Democrats, um, Merrick Garland, those who said in the media and in office that we will do anything we have to to prevent him from getting near the Oval Office. That is actually a very loaded statement when you think about it. You can't have President Trump getting near the Oval Office. Now, it's one thing, beat him at the ballot box. No, they can't have that. They can't risk that. So they have to cut him off before he can actually even make it to the election. You know, and when people like, um, who was it the other day? Bernie Kerrick 
said assassination is something that's conceivable. I think he's right. What will they come up with next? This is um, (laughs) the FBI really should be ashamed. I mean, they have to be. You know, somebody told me, what does it stand for? FBI famous for being incompetent. Ooh, that hurts. But we've seen it before, right? They have screwed up so many things. Who remembers when they followed around that Stephen Hatfield guy? Do you remember this? He was the anthrax mailer, but he wasn't the anthrax mailer. But the FBI ruined his life by following him around for about uh, a year, harassing this guy, Dr. Stephen Hatfield. The FBI was convinced that this was the anthrax mailer, and it turned out he wasn't the guy. Hmm? I mean, it was a pretty bad thing. And then what does the FBI do? They run to Capitol Hill. They apologize for their screw-up. They blame it on a lack of manpower, and they ask for another billion dollars for their budget. Um, now, what about the men and women of the FBI? How can you say that about the men and women of the FBI? Hey, when anybody ever starts talking like that, just remember this. They're trying to hide behind virtuous people their treachery. They're trying to conceal their treachery behind, I don't know, some hot girl who worked for in the White House like uh, Cassidy Hutchinson. Some chubby soldier like uh, Alexander Vidman, crying cops like Fanon, like Gunnell. Let's see here. Here, Here's A.G. Garland doing, getting it all huffy and puffy yesterday. Cut four. Let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. I will not stand by silently when their integrity is unfairly attacked. And what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? This is a free country, pal. What are you going to do about it? Hmm? Now, um, we don't work for the FBI. We don't work for the police. All right. We support law enforcement, but law enforcement works for us, works for the people. Of course, we back the blue. But we all know that there are dirty cops and it happens. And you guys are playing a game. You hide behind dirty cops. You get them to do your dirty deeds. And then when we call you out, you say, how are you not supporting law enforcement? You can't. Su- oh, you're not supporting law enforcement. Let's see here. Uh, saw this a lot yesterday, and I've been seeing it for months. They play this game about, are you backing the blue? Now, of course, we back the blue, except when they're doing your dirty work, which is a lot, by the way. Where do we have this? Uh, what is Cut 23. Try that one. Whatever happened to the Republican Party backing the blue, and in particular, the 35 members of law enforcement, federal law enforcement at the FBI? When did the party of law and order become the party of defund the FBI? Attacking the FBI, undermining the FBI, feeding this this anger out there. And it is ironic, number one, for um, a political party that claims to back the blue, be the party of law and order. They're hiding. They're hiding. All right. Merrick Garland, Joe Biden, you see what they do? They get them to do their dirty work, and now they're hiding behind them, and they're acting all indignant that we're, we're raising fundamental. These questions need to – they are trying to take over America. They're trying to shut down a political party. They're trying to shut down a political movement. They're trying to cancel Donald Trump. Uh, the more they do it, the stronger he gets. <laughs> There's that. Uh, cut 22. The men and women of the FBI and the Justice Department are dedicated, patriotic public servants. Every day, 
They protect the American people from violent crime, terrorism, and other threats to their safety while safeguarding our civil rights. They do so at great personal sacrifice and risk to themselves. I am honored to work alongside them. So here's a test, all right? How many FBI agents can you name? Can anyone name anybody who's on in the FBI right now? Would you, would you recognize an FBI agent if you saw them? No. Most people can't do that, right? So they're hiding behind people you don't even know who they are. <laughs> it's a corrupt, sick game they play. They did it. They, they've done it every step of the way. You know that, right? Cassidy Hutchinson. How can this 20? Oh, is it time already? All right, give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, back, yes. Hello. Uh, doesn't it feel great? Hey, do you ever watch uh, CBS News? They are, uh, who the hell watches it? Who the hell cares? But I just want to point out that they have one person there, real chip on her shoulder. She's, uh, she's too much here. Her name is Margaret Brennan. She hosts the Face the Nation show. Here she is talking to Kamala Harris. Listen to this. Uh, this is, she's making a point to Kamala Harris. Margaret Brennan is cut 29. Why do you think there is such scrutiny? I mean, women are always held to a different standard. That's just a fact. Oh, wait, just a fact. Can I hear that one more time? Wait, what are we, what are they held to? Cut 29? Why do you think there is such scrutiny? I mean, women are always held to a different standard. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. What is she talking about? That? How is that a fact? They're held to a different standard. What does that mean exactly? What, is, what does that mean? Just a fact. Well, I think the fact, I don't know what she's getting at. Do you? Do you think um, Kamala Harris is uh, just being picked on because she's a woman or because she's a goofy, incompetent, probably drunk and high person? I think it's more because she's a goofy, high, probably drunk person. All right. Here's Margaret Brennan hosting her show. It's giving everybody the Republican treatment. If you're a Republican, you get this kind of treatment. Cut 31. There's going to be seniors that don't get life-saving drugs because reducing the pharmaceutical industry will not be able to have to. Reducing Medicare costs is not the same we'll as reducing to... benefits, though. You, you know that. So well, how do you respond 1%. to that? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What if it's your grandmother? It's the voters of those states are doing it. The voters of those states are going to make a choice. You're trying want... to help Senate Republicans and lead them to victory. These are your candidates. So... You know, Margaret, that's what people are looking at. They're, they're, but these they're are, these are saying, your Senate not... Republican candidates. These are your candidates. It's a choice between two people. Mm-hmm. All the Democrat nominees are, are, are basically Biden clones. Yeah. We don't, by the way, they won't but campaign if with but Biden. But if you are, Not I mean, you would Mark acknowledge, Mark, you would acknowledge that if somebody went in for an interview Biden. for a private corporation, of, these things Biden, would come no up as Biden. red flags to HR. How can you just talk over somebody like that? It's one thing to have an argument. It's one thing to interject, but to just keep talking while a United States senator, I think that was Senator uh, Scott from, what's that guy's name from Florida? Tim Scott from Florida, or no, that's a South Carolina guy. Rick Scott, Rick Scott. You're just going to talk all over him? What the hell do you know, Margaret Brennan? What do you know? You know, so many so-called journalists go in because, well, for vanity reasons, really. So many of them are driven by, you know, you can't be a movie star, so the next the next best bet is to be on TV. And I, I, I just, how could anyone 
treat anybody like that, let alone a United States senator. And Margaret Brennan, you have all the answers. Why invite the guy in? Oh, I know. You want to go viral? Is that it? Is that is that seems to be the name of the game when it comes to uh, TV these days. Just engineer some phony baloney moment. But we're over that. I'd like to hear from people. I actually like to listen to people, hear what they have to say. You know, you should watch my show, actually, the Newsmax show in particular. I uh, by the time I <laughs> by the time I have been talking all day long, I actually want to hear from people. I don't want to cut them off. I don't want to interject. And most of the time, I'm gonna if I'm talking to them on the TV show, they know something I don't know. So I want to hear from them, and maybe my audience does. So all throughout her career, Margaret Brennan, by the way, has been applauded and promoted by men because she's a beautiful woman. Okay? Applauded and promoted by men because she's a beautiful woman. Not my type, but beautiful. And it's not just true for Margaret Brennan. It's true of uh, people, men and women, throughout, well, throughout the world, in all kinds of industries, but particularly television. I'm just saying that the Me Too movement and the Me Too conversation wasn't a full and honest one. All right? Because a lot of people benefited from the attention of older, powerful men. And then at one point, they decided, I'm not talking specifically about Margaret Brennan. I don't know what the hell, how she got her job or whatever. But just in general, I have seen this happen. Haven't you? You never hear about that side of it, huh? Hey, wait a second. Danny's on the phone. Is this the Danny who told me about Admiral Yamamoto? Or actually, I told you about the Admiral's name. But uh, Danny, is that you? Yes, it is. And thank you for the uh, for the props. I was watching the show. I told everyone to watch it. My phone blew up. And uh, appreciate the mention. Uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, I, you got to admit. You didn't think I was going to do it on television, right? You didn't think I was actually going to do it, did you? Didn't think you were going to do it, and you went right to it. It was within five minutes of the beginning of the show, so it was it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. Hey, uh, Danny, I, I got I got I got news for you though. Uh, everybody's on my case trying to tell me that Admiral Yamamoto didn't actually say that, and then it's a movie quote. Did you know that? Uh, no, I think he knew that because he went to school in the United States. I believe he went to Chicago. Well, and he here's the deal. Here's the deal. Listen, number one, it's cl- it's close enough. I'm glad we did it. It's a great moment. I I already I, I got a little bit of blowback saying that's from a. Hey, do we have the clip yet? We have it. What? Just one second. One second. It was in a movie called Tora Tora Tora, and there has been some debate about whether or not the guy said it, but it doesn't matter, Danny. It's a great sentiment, and I totally agree with it. We're going to play it from the movie in a moment here, um, but. The other, oh, it's in Japanese. <laughs> That's okay. Can I hear? I want to hear it. I want to hear it, even if it's in Japanese. Well, it's a subtitle. Um, what what it's all about is the day that will live in infamy. You know, we all know about that. Then the next day, Admiral Yamamoto is purported to have said, "I fear all we have done is to awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with a terrible resolve," and that's kind of what's happened here. So I think the analogy still holds. And uh, screw those uh, nitnoid. You know, anything you say, you could I, look, I could say men walked on the moon and people are going to give me a hard time about that on Twitter. So I'm only kind of busting your chops here. All right, Danny, what else? You know, I'm watching the last 48, to however long it's been, 96 hours now. And I'm going to throw this theory by you because you're a smart man. You know, I always say some people are playing chess and, and Trump is playing checkers. Or I think he's playing three dimensional chess where how does the Washington Post run a story about the nuclear documents? that immediately Trump gets to deny, and it's obviously fake, 
without him possibly maybe having a spy that he got that story put in just to embarrass the Washington Post. Because do they ever learn their lesson? Because they, they have a story that, oh, it was nuclear documents. And five, two hours later, Trump is issued a press release. Absolutely nothing to do with nuclear documents. So where do, are they falling for it? Is he, is he playing them in an effort to increase? I mean, it's just so bizarre that he baited the FBI into doing this. It's totally bizarre. It's totally bizarre. I don't think he's uh, – look, he's brilliant. He's totally brilliant. Is he playing chess while they're playing checkers? You know, somebody once made that comparison before, and I saw it on TV. They said, he's not playing chess. He's not playing three-dimensional chess. He's eating the pieces. Uh, (laughs) But I do think he's a hell of a lot smarter than these guys. I don't believe the nuclear stuff for a second. That is a classic swamp, nasty, dirty leak, and it's phony. Thanks, Danny. I'll be back. Greg Kelly. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, I heard that Salmon Rushdie, the author, was attacked, but I I didn't realize the guy actually got stabbed. He got stabbed at an event here in uh, New York. Was it in New York City? So Salmon Rushdie wrote a book uh, in the 80s called The Satanic Verses. And in it, I think he said something that the Islamic world did not like about Islam and Iran issued a fatwa of some kind, which I think is a great big, um, like, you know, bounty. They put a target on him and they said, somebody kill this guy for three million dollars. We'll reward you. And he's been walking around like that for uh, 30, 40 years. And uh, during that time, he was married to uh, what's her name? Padma. Padma Lakshmi, the hottie from the food show. But she actually never had anything to say. Do you ever notice that? She never had anything to say. She would be like. Bring in the dish. We will let you know of our decision. She has nothing to say, although she's hot. Anyway, it didn't work out. Is Salmon Rushdie going to be okay? Can you put uh, ja- uh, Jacqueline Carl? Uh, hi, where did this all happen to Salmon? Can you hear me? What's wrong? Turn her mic on. I can hear. It. Does she realize she's on the tele? There's a delay. All right, hold on. I hope Salmon's okay. Hi, you're on the air. How are you? Oh, never mind. I'll figure it out myself. Salmon Rushdie has been taken to a hospital. I believe he's in stable condition. He suffered a minor stab wound. Ah, here she, here she comes, Your Highness. Whoa, thank you. Wow. She was doing, She was writing. She was busy writing. I, I, how are you? Listen, I'm serious. What the hell is going on with Salmon Rushdie, the famous author? Uh, where did it happen? What happened? He was speaking upstate New York at uh, on a stage when a man rushed him. Not only did he get stabbed in the neck and he's at a hospital and we don't know his condition, but the person interviewing him suffered a head injury as well. Stabbed in the neck? That's not the place you want to be stabbed. No. There's there's a few places I would like to be stabbed. So, man, oh, man, oh, man. All right. Um, Where upstate, by the way? I had it in my report, but I didn't have time to grab it. North of of Westchester. Well, Salmon Rushdie. uh, Salmon. What? Salmon. I call him Salmon. I've always I've met him, by the way. I don't care if you've met him. His name is Salmon. I don't think he went by that. We and- just called him Sam. <laughs> Sam for short. He's going to be okay. Tell me he's going to be okay. He's right? going to be okay. All right, good. And what about Padma? Should somebody reach out to her at this point? I think you should since you've met him. Uh, I also met Padma, by the way. 
You have. I've actually met everybody. Every it's pretty wild. And anybody who dies or gets an award or is in a car, I met Anne Hache. Oh. I got a picture of me with Anne Hache. That's so sad. I interviewed uh, Olivia Newton-John. I mean, I'm telling you, everybody came through that Good Day New York show. I had very little regard for celebrities. I really, you know. What, what about I mean? Chris Hemsworth? Uh, wait a second. No, but I did meet Henry Cavill. You like him? Yeah. Superman. Yeah, you got a thing for this unattainable guy. <laughs> what s- makes you think he's so unattainable? I know he's married with three children, but there are many lifetimes we live. All right. Let me. Well, number one, he's unattainable. And I used to have the same thing. All what? right. With who? Ava Green. You know who she is? No. Uh, she was the femme. She was the, she played a Bond girl in one oh, of the big okay. movies. That she tracks. was in, um, she's French. You know what I mean? Oh, and I'm like, I, I, I had it in my head that I was going to meet her. And I, <laughs> you know what I mean? We you, all do. Well, I know, but sooner or later, it's like, it's like thinking you're going to win the lottery. You're not. And by the way, when you do, when you meet these people, they're not all that. You're so uplifting. Why don't I come in here more often? No, this is this should be uplifting. <laughs> this should be uplifting. Okay. The, you're, the man of your dreams is just some. He's probably got a pot belly. No, he does not. No, I'm telling you, he believably plays a god in movies. Plus, I see him working out on his center app, so he's he's fine. You know what you should do to think about this if you want to get over it? Because I actually did want to get over it. You, we're caught in the physical form. I was going by an old cemetery. Okay. You know, uh, like again, what, uplifting. Go well, ahead. it actually, in my, it was from the 1800s. Mm-hmm. It was in Sag Harbor, and I thought about all the bones in there. You mm-hmm. know what I mean, and the rotting flesh and what right. we all become. Right. So you know, Chris Hemsworth, his godlike body, as you say, one day will be just a bunch of you know rotting bones. And okay. Like, it's it's temporary. It's not here for all that. You're right. He's dead to me now. And also, if you really want to get over a, um, if you're really caught up in the physicality of it, just think of the. He's what? got a great sense of humor. How do you know that? Because I've watched many oh, interviews on red and carpets, everybody red says carpet so. and stuff like that. All right, so I just don't like. Well, anyway, well, have you reached out? No, I'm not insane. No, I'm not insane. But just one day you're gonna. Oh, in another life you're gonna marry him. That's yes. what you said. Yes, we have many. That's not at all insane. By no, the way. no. Just putting things off to your next At life. Least yeah, it's that's uplifting. totally normal. I am yeah, the, normal, <laughs> if nothing else. Uh, all right. So, wait. Back to back Salmon. To, is he going to be okay or what? I, I don't know. I hope so. I found it very peculiar that a, a girl like Padma hooked up with him. She was a lot younger, and physically, I don't think they were compatible. That's so odd. It's rare to see an older man with a young, beautiful woman. <laughs> Yeah. You are right about that. Does that, well, it is kind of rare. I mean, let's face it. it, No, celebrities tend to do it. Rich guys tend to do it. But regular people don't do it. Okay. My wife, you know, I mean, people frowned upon me for marrying a 23-year-old when I was 47. But, you know, they got over it. Yeah. I'm only kidding. She's age appropriate. Everybody knows that. She's, she's age appropriate. And, and she's lovely. age age appropriate. Wouldn't you agree? I, I would say so. I just don't know. I mean, she looks a lot younger than you. <laughs> okay. I'm just teasing. She, know, yes, she's age appropriate and she's absolutely lovely. I just don't think you're taking this. I salmon. think you're a good match. Thank you. Thank you. I think you're not taking the Salmon Rusty thing seriously enough. Why would you say that? I don't know. I just don't sense that. You don't have I, actually, a reason. The networks, uh, there's a picture of him getting stabbed. It's my top story. I take it very seriously, and all that's right. why I was busy when you wanted me to come in here. Well, I do want, all right, keep on it. Okay. Let me know if anything changes. I will. 
and we'll go from there. Okay, All it's right. been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye bye. Bye bye bye. Okay, let's wait until she leaves, and then we'll talk about her. Uh, <laughs> she's got a radio out there, unfortunately. All right, thank you, Jacqueline Carl, former actress, by the way, and model, and uh, um, child actress, and did a lot of commercials and stuff like that. All right, so all right, back to the serious stuff. Back to the big import. Oh wait, before I get there. Beto O'Rourke, you know we don't like that guy, right? Because he says stuff like this, cut 32. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. Yeah, and um, other stunt moments like this, when he shows up at a press conference in the wake of that Uvalde shooting and starts um, uh, grandstanding, cut 33. And at this time, I will... Uh, pass the mic to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down. Next shooting is right now and you're doing nothing. No, he needs to get his ass out of here. Get in the place and talk to us over. This is totally predictable. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you are out of line. Sir, you are out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch. It would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. He really is a sick son of a B-I-T-C-H, Beto O'Rourke. That's his thing. So he's running for governor. He's running against Greg Abbott. He's running against the guy he was heckling at that press conference, which happened like the day after the Uvalde shooting. Really bad guy, and uh, but he gets off on using the F word in public. That's his thing. Uh, here he is. Uh, uh, he's talking about gun control, and I, uh, listen to this. Cut 34. AR-15s, hundreds of rounds of ammunition, and take that weapon that was originally designed for use on the battlefields in Vietnam to penetrate an enemy soldier's helmet at 500 feet and knock him down dead up against kids at five feet. It may be funny to you, but it's not funny to me, okay? I, all right. I didn't hear any guy laugh, but I wasn't in the room. So somebody snickers probably at his ignorance about uh, weaponry. And uh, he calls him a MFR. All right. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> what is up with that? It's just a silly word. Would anybody have laughed if it happened, you know, in private? No, but in public, everybody goes nuts. Now, listen to this. Again, this is his brand. Here he is right after losing to Ted Cruz in 2018, and he's thanking everybody, and he uses the F word. Cut 35. I'm so, if he just said, I'm so proud of you guys, nobody would have, uh, they wouldn't have kicked it up a notch. One more time on that, please. In every single part of Texas, all of you, show the country how I do this. I'm so proud of you guys. Wow, he said the F word. He's so cool. Oh, Beto. His name is Beto, and he wears that shirt like Robert Kennedy, and he walks around. Fortunately, after this governor's race, which he will lose, that'll be the end of Beto, all right? Because you can't, you know, you can run for two things, but not three things and lose. And what has he run for so far? He ran for president, lost, 
ran for senator, lost, and now he's running for governor. When he loses that, it's like, okay, forget it. Go away. You're not born for this, bro. Uh, He says that. I'm born for this. Born for this. Uh, On the cover of Vanity Fair, I'm born to be president. No, you're not. You're born to be a community college professor. Nothing wrong with being a community college professor, but I could see him as a community college professor having an inappropriate relationship with one of the students. All right, there's I'm, maybe I'm, it's the backstory that I've invented for him. Uh, Gail in Staten Island, hi. Hi, good afternoon. I was listening to your segment before. I wonder if Margaret Brennan is related to John Brennan the uh, former CIA cover-up lawyer for Benghazi. <laughs> and also, as far as Trump playing chess, that's the equivalent of both sides of the aisle playing Monopoly, get out of jail free, and printing up color money and sending it all over the world. And that's what I have to say. Hey, can I run this by you with this whole chess analogy? I, you know, in, in a way... Trump is uh, he's 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 simple and it's good. It's good in the way he's I'm not saying like in terms of intelligence, but in terms of his approach to politics, you know, look at his campaign in 2015 and 2016. What did he do? He went out there and talked to the people about ideas, ideas that they liked and they agreed with him. Right. It was a very traditional campaign. Go out, talk about issues. People agree. People like and they vote for you. And then he becomes president and he's like, you know what, I'm going to camp. I'm going to govern based on uh, the campaign that I ran. I'm going to implement that and I'm going to work with Congress. I'm going to work with. He did not realize how complicated it was, how everybody was out to get him every step of the way. He learned along the way there could be. And there's there was a simplicity and even a naivete to his approach. He got burned right off the bat. Remember when they started leaking his phone calls? I mean, I'm talking about regular phone calls. He calls up the head of Australia. They leak the transcript. Called up the head of uh, 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 Brazil. They leaked the transcript. They were out to get him from day one. Unelected people, by the way. Unelected people in the swamp, in the intelligence community. Really bad. Hey, you know who the most important person in the world right now is? Susan Rice. Susan Rice is an unelected person, a corrupt person. She could never be confirmed by the Senate because she got caught lying on television multiple times about Benghazi. She is the de facto president of the United States. She's the CEO, and the chairman is Barack Obama. So, you know, uh, poor us, you know, we just, wow, we thought the system wasn't corrupt. Now we know beyond the shadow of a doubt. Uh, anyway, that's what I have to say about the whole chess playing thing, checkers. You know, Gail, uh, in some ways, he was very, you know, very direct and a little bit naive. Believe it or not, even somebody like Donald Trump had no idea how corrupt it all was. And I think he'd agree with me on that, Gail. Greg, are you still listening to me? Yeah. Okay. You reach all the masses on two platforms. And I know conservatives listen to you, and conservatives have relatives, and we all disagree. That's the beauty of this country. But if people want the freedom, Greg, you keep talking. You let your audience talk. I really think that's nice of you. You, but, you know, you listen to a lot of people. And besides that, I don't know if you remember, but a year ago I kept saying to you, the Rice House, the White House, and you said, why do you keep saying that? 
and I spelt it out, R-I-C-E, and you said, oh, as in Susan Rice. So you see, we, we've got it. This man is not running our country. You're so right, and you're right. Now I remember the Rice House. I'm like, what's going on here? Yes. All right, look her up. Susan Rice, if you don't know who we're talking about, she was Obama's ambassador to the United Nations, uh, uh, Security Council, uh, National Security Advisor, and they could not get her. What did they want? They wanted to make her something. I think they wanted to make her Secretary of State. They knew they couldn't get her confirmed. She's a bad, bad person, and somebody told me today they heard her say, and I believe this person, I know this person, they said her dream is to make this a one-party country because this two-party system, it's too inefficient for her liking. And we could get so much more done as one party. That is anti-democratic. That is a threat to democracy. Thank you, Gail. I'll be right back. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, brand new information. The Wall Street Journal has this uh, exclusively. Uh, Let's see here. FBI recovered 11 sets of classified documents in Trump's search inventory shows. Now, don't worry. This is all overblown. Uh, There's there's probably some fake news interspersed here. And the president has the authority to declassify whatever he wants. But I'm going to go through this. This is... uh, uh, breaking right now, FBI agents who searched former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home on Monday removed 11 sets of classified documents, including some marked as top secret and meant to be only available in special government facilities, according to documents reviewed by The Wall Street Journal. The Federal Bureau of Investigation agents took around 20 boxes of items, binders of photos, a handwritten note, and the executive grant of clemency for Mr. Trump's ally, Roger Stone, a list of items removed from the property shows. Also included in the list was information about the president of France, according to the three-page list. The list is contained in a seven-page document that also includes the warrant to search the premises, which was granted by a federal magistrate judge in Florida. The list includes references to one set of documents marked as various classified top TSSCI documents, an abbreviation that refers to top secret, sensitive, compartmented information. It also says uh, agents collected four sets of top secret documents, three sets of secret documents, and three sets of confidential documents. The list did not provide any more details about the substance of the documents. Mr. Trump's lawyers argued that the former president used his authority to declassify the material before he left office. While a president has the power to declassify documents, there are federal regulations that lay out a process for doing so. The search and seizure warrant signed by U.S. Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt shows that FBI agents sought to search the 45 office as well as all storage rooms and other rooms or areas within the premises used or available to be used by the former president and his staff and in which boxes or documents could be stored, blah, 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 blah. Uh, They didn't seek access to search private guest rooms, such as those of Mar-a-Lago members, according to the document. Uh, The former president and his team don't have the affidavit. 
mm. do not have the affidavit, which pro- would provide more detail about the FBI's investigation. So the affidavit is like what they go to the judge with, and they're like, hey, we think this, that, and the other thing. That's why we want to go in. Uh, Mr. Trump is in a post on a social media platform uh, yesterday, yeah, said his representatives were co- cooperating fully. The government could have had anything it wanted. Uh, I want to just see if I can see the warrant, search and seizure. The ser- I think I can here. I'm going to pop. pop. Uh, do I have it? Do I have it? Can I see it? Can I see it? No. Can't see it, unfortunately. Uh, it doesn't really. Hey, what date is today? Is today the 12th? Okay, wait a second. Maybe it is here. Hey, what I just read you, by the way, is brand new information. Uh, no one else is going with it yet. What they sometimes do at uh, at Fox, they want their, well, we'll have our justice reporter verify all that so they don't have to give credit to the the Wall Street Journal, which broke this story. Um, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. If if there is, if there is material, look, I, it's kind of like, what's a good example? It's like pulling you, it's like getting pulled over. And they find out your your light your 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 insurance card is out of date. Okay, how many people have had that? Right, you have insurance, but your insurance card is out of date. That's kind of what I think is going on here. All right, you can get anybody on anything. You know, you start going through their stuff, and a former president of the United States, a president of the United States, classified material. That's like. <laughs> What else, what would he be seeing that's not classified other than the newspaper? Just about everything he gets is classified. I am uh, I am not worried. I am worried for the country because it looks like they are out to ruin this country rather than let him become president again. It's that bad. They're that delusional. They're that intense. And again. Let's pretend for a moment that some of this material should never have left the White House. Well, he did not leave the White House with it. Yep, here we go. Fox News is now bringing you the information I just brought. Awaiting possible Mar-a-Lago warrant release and then the stuff that I just said. Yep, uh, the journal the journal got it. The journal got it first. Hey, real quick update on Salmon Rushdie. Oh, Governor Hochul is acting all gubernatorial, huh? Oh, Governor Hochul. Uh, yeah, more crime in your state there, Governor Hochul. Um, let's see. Salmon Rushdie was attacked on a stage in western New York just before he was about to give a speech. He is alive. He has been transported, airlifted to safety, but he is an individual who has spent decades seeking truth to powers. Speaking, well, who cares? That's what you say. I don't know anything about the guy. Do you really? I don't know. I don't, I don't know what kind of writer he is. He wrote that book that annoyed a lot of people, and he was married to... Padma, I don't want him to die, certainly. I want him to be safe. And I think uh, I think Iran did go too far. But how about that? Not even safe in suburban, suburban Buffalo. That's where this happened. That's where it happened. Well, I know that's supposed to sound all spooky and scary. Ooh, top secret this, top secret that. You know, I had top secret clearance, actually, as a Marine Corps. Wait, did I? I think I had secret clearance. Yeah, secret clearance. Um. We overclassify stuff. It's very easy to overclassify. Now, they say there's a procedure. Uh, President Trump did not follow the declassification procedure. I think he can just say out loud, this is declassified. He can say out loud that this is declassified. It's just declassified. If he wants it to be declassified, it can be declassified. But this is a, this is a stunt. I think they probably crammed documents in those boxes. If this swamp would waste $40 million and two years pursuing the Russia hoax, don't you think they could have some 
somebody's stuff, some papers in one of the boxes that's sent down to Mar-a-Lago as a ticking time bomb? You better believe it. You better believe it. Boy, oh boy, they are screwing with America. They better stop. They really ought to stop. You've all been exposed. Hands off, President Trump. You got that? Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, Dr. Oz was on the show yesterday. He's the Republican nominee for U.S. Senator in uh, Pennsylvania. You want to help him out, go to DrOz.com. Hey, a lot of people are giving money now. You know, it was one thing to watch this stuff on TV and to be rooting for your side. Um, But if you want to help, if you want to make a difference, uh, you want to do something that these guys are going to notice. I'm not saying to write a check for any specific candidate. All right. Got to be clear about that. But it's one hell of a way to get involved in the system. You know, I had that lady call and she was like, I want to volunteer. And I tried to volunteer for Lee Zeldin and I couldn't get through. So, uh, what am I, you know, they're all screwed up. I need to volunteer. Well, no, they're good. They're good. They got their machinery. What they need is money. And you think, well, I could only send them a couple of bucks. You know what? That's the power. Lots of small donors. That's actually, there's more cachet with lots of small donors than a few big donors, right? I mean, that shows that, wow, it's a, it's a movement. It's more than... So if you think your 20 bucks is not going to make a difference, it is going to make a difference. Now, full disclosure, I can't give money, all right, um, which is a happy coincidence because I'm such a cheapskate. But uh, given my position, I'm basically, I'm, uh, contractually, I'm not allowed to write these guys' checks. But the other day, I saw an email and, um, from Donald Trump, and it wasn't specifically you know, from him. It was from their, you know, their, 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 their outfit, but it looks like Donald And they're raising money, and I... Well, I've, I felt differently about giving. Let me just put it to you that way, all right? I so wanted to give and uh, can't confirm or deny whether or not I violate, whatever. I just, everyone's feeling that way right now. It's a great way to get involved is to write a check for a cause you believe in. It doesn't have to be for uh, $2,000. can be for $2. could be for $20. Just do something, you know? We're all frustrated right now about what's happening. And it's damn near corrupt, all right? It's damn near corrupt what's happening. And uh, here we are. I'm looking at uh, Mar-a-Lago, a live look at Mar-a-Lago. Now, this is going to sound bad. It's not. The more I look at it, remember, a president of the United States is surrounded by classified documents. They are, this was a, this is like planting drugs on somebody, all right? Haven't we seen that before? (laughs) Haven't we seen dirty cops plant evidence I think that's what's happened here. I'm going to take you again through the Wall Street Journal report, the inventory of what they pulled out of that place. Now, it may sound, ooh, it's not, ooh, all right? Don't worry about it. The Justice Department on Thursday asked a Florida judge to unseal the warrant. Uh, Wait, hold on. I want to make sure we get the, uh, won't oppose the warrant. Okay, here's the, wait, where's the inventory? Oh, here we go. FBI recovered 11 sets of classified documents in Trump's search, inventory shows. You can always show up and bust somebody on how they're handling classified material. It's like the rules are so extensive, so involved, it's it's almost impossible to follow all of them. It really is. I had to deal with confidential material in the military. You know what I did, actually? Um, and I got permission to do this. I destroyed a lot of confidential material. I did. 
there's a way to do it. And I'm like, we have too much of this crap. It's all, it was just taking, it was way too much. And there is a way, and I, I had it destroyed. And there's a way to do that. It was totally legal. You go to a special uh, paper shredder and you have it destroyed. I'm like, I was the, in charge of the, all of the confidential material in our squadron. And we had, re, it just had too much of it, stuff that wasn't applicable. And it was just a pain in the neck to maintain. And I said, we got to get rid of this. And I got rid of about half of it. Anyway, let's see here. Um, I didn't just throw it away, all right? I did it through the proper procedures. FBI agents who searched former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home Monday removed 11 sets of classified documents. Uh, The Federal Bureau of Investigation took 20 boxes of items, binders of photos, so what? A handwritten note, okay, I think he's allowed to write notes. Uh, The executive grant of clemency for Roger Stone, how the hell is that uh, secret? Included on the list was information about the president of France. That would be, I guess, Emmanuel Macron, according to the three-page list. The list is contained in a seven-page document that also includes the warrant to search the premises. The list includes references to one set of documents marked as various classified TSSCI documents, an abbreviation that refers to uh, top-secret sensitive. Hey, whatever happened to the nuclear stuff? I haven't. Heard, I don't see anything about nukes here. It says agents collected four sets of top secret documents. Three. Se- I got to get somebody on the phone. Let's get Pete King on the phone. He can tell. He can bust this thing. This is a scam. This is a scam. They're trying to frame him again. How can we believe? How can we trust any of this stuff? Remember, first they said he colluded with the Russians. Colluded. He was a Russian spy, a Russian asset. They knew that wasn't true. They kept it going for two years. What did they say? What did Chuck Schumer say? The intelligence community has six ways from Sunday of getting back at you. If you Can you do me a favor? Can you find that? I had it on the Newsmax show the other day. It's a famous moment. Not that famous. It's famous in my circles, conservative circles. All right. Chuck Schumer to Rachel Maddow in January of 2017 said out loud that the intelligence community can get back at you. They can take revenge on you. I think one of the ways might be... <laughs> <laughs> whatever's going on here. Remember, Trump made them look bad for calling them out for their failures. And they failed. They have failed us. All right? September 11, 2001. What the hell do we have with an intelligence community if they can't stop that? And the whole system was blinking red all summer long, and they couldn't figure it out. Two years later, we go into Iraq, weapons of mass destruction. The intelligence community said to 17 intelligence communities agreed that the agencies agreed that there were weapons of mass destruction. Shut up. You just told the boss what he wanted to hear because you're a bunch of bureaucrats, Freddy cat bureaucrats. Wow. Hey, do me a favor. Can I hear what Jonathan Turley is saying for a second? Can we turn that on? I just want to hear this guy's pretty good. Sometimes he's a wimp. Sometimes he's a scaredy cat, but I'm kind of curious what he's saying. He's a lawyer and um, works at George Washington University. Or get the judge on the phone. I want to bring the judge in. Somebody, all right? We need we need some legal representation here. Have you ever needed a lawyer? Have you ever been in the situation where you needed a lawyer? All right, just real quick. Let me hear it. It brings us back to the missing affidavit. Uh, what was told about the status of these documents? 
we have we do not see here references to nuclear weapons or yep, like nuclear weapon said. programs that have been reported by some media. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that those reports are wrong, but it sort of highlights how much we still don't know uh, in this. Now, my final point here is that the stuff that is referred to as secret and confidential, um, I have to say, since I've worked with this type of material for years, you know, most everything that goes to the president mm -hmm. uh, tends to have a classification of confidentiality yep. or above. Mm -hmm. uh, and confidentiality itself is not a particularly high uh, uh, classification. I've seen uh, mail books uh, or phone books classified at that level. It's really the TSSCI and how much there was there and whether there's a claim of declassification that we still don't know. John All right. Hey. You know, I did pretty good for somebody who's not a law professor, right? All those points that he made, I made 20 minutes ago. All right. So, and he's a, uh, he actually testified for Trump at the impeachment hearings, trying to say it was all nonsense. So, good job, Jonathan Turley. Good job, this guy right here. Hey, oh, the other thing, why did I bring up Dr. Oz? Oh, Dr. Oz said, you'll never get fat eating nuts. All right. And have nuts around all over the place. So I have not had breakfast. I've been drinking coffee. I'm, you know, I'm on a diet or whatever, but I got very, very hungry. I go down to the snack bar. What do we have? We have Fruit Loops. We have Ring Dings. We have Skittles. We have chocolate bars. We, that's it. Oh, and Fritos and, um, and Ruffles. So I took a little bag of Ruffles and a little bag of Fritos. I had to eat. So I got to walk around with nuts all the time. Really interesting. You'll never get fat eating a bunch of nuts. Hold on a second. I just got in the message here, an important message. Uh, all right. Some guy's going to call me. Maybe he'll have information. Maybe not. Um, all right. Get him on the phone. Um, oh, he's coming down? All right. Oh, good. Yeah, George. Yeah, he works here. He'll know this stuff. All right. We got that going. What else can I tell you? It feels good to be. I just, I feel so privileged right now, actually, because if certain things did not happen to me in my life, I might be one of those fake news frauds right now going along with this stuff. I can see so clearly. I can see so clearly. And I am so glad that every little single thing that happened to me happened to me. I really am. All right. Warts and all, all of it. All right. I'm going to tell you, I had a chit chat with uh, President Trump the other day after this happened in about we talked about it for about a minute. And then we talked about <laughs> other stuff. We talked about my life, things he knows that are going on. Very interesting. He was talking about other stuff that had nothing to do with this. And he knew a lot about what I was uh, what I've been up to. It was very interesting. And I was kind of in awe of that. Like, wait a second. The walls are closing in on him, I hear, right? And he's able to talk. And here's the thing. It's amazing. When you're in the middle of a storm, it is calm. There is calm in the middle of a storm. And especially with Donald Trump, because at this point, he knows everything. He knows. He knows that this is a scam. He knows. He knows. Everyone's saying things about him, but he knows the truth. And there's a certain calmness. There's a certain confidence that comes with that knowledge, with that security, and also this, it, he, I think he's secure in the fact that he did nothing wrong. So for me, I remember, what was it, 2012, a horrible accusation was made against me. It was all over the newspapers, and it was the one of the worst things that ever happened to me. 
But it was also one of the best things that ever happened to me. Really was. Because never before had I felt so powerfully the love of my family, my mother, my father, my brother, my cousins, my uncles, my aunts, my friends, my neighbors, my city, fans of Good Day New York, and total strangers. I felt it so powerfully. I never would have felt that otherwise, you know, right? And I was going through what I thought was the worst thing in the world. If you told me a day before that that was going to happen, I would have had a panic attack. But it all happens, and I'm in the middle of it, and I'm calm. I'm totally calm, and I have to make decisions, and I have to do this, and I have to do that, and I have to, right? There, when you're going through one of those things, there are decisions to be made. I'm proud of the decisions I made. And I was at the time, I'm like, you know, it's like Michael when he's uh, guarding the hospital or faking that he has a gun in The Godfather. He's with Enzo the baker, and they're in front of the bakery, they're in front of the hospital, and the, the goons come by, and they want to do a hit on the man, on The Godfather, and they pretend that they're all puffed up, so the goons just drive off, and he, he lights a cigarette for Enzo, and Michael notices something. He's calm, and Enzo's freaking out. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm like Michael, but I'm saying I was cool under fire. And uh, you learn about yourself when you go through these situations, you know? So um, if certain things hadn't happened to me, I might be in a totally different place, and I might be seeing the world in a totally different way, in a dishonest way. If I didn't get a couple of breaks, and you know what? I think God has been in control every step of the way, and he wanted, he wanted this to happen to me. He wanted, and he wanted to get my attention. He wanted me to learn, get closer to him, figure stuff out. And again, you've heard me say it before, the way to do it, the way to start this journey is to get into the Word of God, the Bible. Um, You may have made attempts over the years like I did. Uh, You grab the Bible in the hotel room, and maybe you you don't make heads or tails out of it right away, uh, or you get scared by something you read. Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. Uh, It just has little footnotes and explainers, puts it all into beautiful, beautiful, just Anyway, it's like a little bit of a, a coach, you know? But the Bible, the Word of God, uh, you'll never, ever, ever regret it. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, we're back with um, a great uh, a member of the WABC team and uh, Red Apple Media in general, George Venizelos. He happens to have worked at the FBI for 24 years, a special agent. And, uh, George, great to have you on. Great to be here with you, Greg. Now, George, listen, I know that you're FBI, you're a big fan, you work there. I got my doubts and I got my frustrations, <laughs> and I, I'm, you don't have to join me in all that. But, um, uh, number one, what do you make, just tell me, 30 agents showing up at a former president's uh, residence uh, a year and a half, more than a year and a half after he left office, looking for who the hell knows what, just your overall reaction to the events of this week. I, I, I think the, the FBI was put in a very tough situation. Um, I don't believe these conspiracy theories out there that they're, they're out to get somebody. That's just not how they operate. I know, I know there's a lot of debate about that, and, and I, I could hear both sides. I understand why people may think that. 
But my heart, I don't believe that. Well, what about, I mean, the FBI is not an independent agency. I mean, it, it reports to the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice, who who runs the Department of Justice? The Attorney General of the United States, a guy named Merrick Garland. And Merrick Garland is appointed by the President of the United States. And Joe Biden has made it quite clear um, he has actually in the New York Times. He's quoted as saying that he was frustrated, or not quoted, but summarized as believing that uh, Merrick Garland has not been moving aggressively enough. That he feels that Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. It seems to me completely plausible that Joe Biden, if he didn't specifically approve this, and I don't think he did, but he would have been in a position where he's like, "You'll never have to seek up, and uh, you know, you'll never have to ask me. You know, you go after him. You do whatever you have to do. I can see, and you can convey that with a wink and a nod. You do what you have to do. You got it. You'll never have any questions from me. So all of this, they could be misusing the FBI. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I think fair enough. I think hey, he's the president. The president's the, 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 you know, the chief. You know, the the attorney general works for the president. You know, I'm sure that then the president sends sets the tone. You know, whether that tone was set, you know, they know. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's interesting. The president sets the tone, but everybody was resisting the tone that was set by President Trump. Right. You know, they were trying to trip him up every step of the way. It from seems day one from day one. That is incredible. All right, look, I'm going to go back to your situation. When did you join the FBI? Uh, in 91. 90, how old? You were uh, not the I was talk, like 30-ish. You were 30-ish. 30-ish. Uh, getting into the FBI, that's a hard thing. Yes. That's It's a competitive. Yes, yes. very. What? Uh, all right, so you're in your 30s. Where'd you go to college? I went to Fordham University in the Bronx. Now, my understanding is that they were seeking lawyers and accountants. Yes. You had it, Really? Yes. Were you were you one I was of an account? Yeah. An account. You were a CPA. Yes. You go to College of Business at uh, Fordham. Yes. Back then it was CBA. Now it's Cabelli. Now it's like high high end. Back uh, then it was the CBA. College of Business Administration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's when I went as yeah, well. Yeah. So, what was your first job out of college? I was um, pretty much went into DEA. I was a DEA agent. You joined you know, the DEA. Yeah. For four years, I was a DEA agent. And uh, what was that like? It was, it was great, and it was the early eighties. You know, in the early 80s, was a crazy time. You know, was the, the, the drugs were rampant. Cocaine was rampant. Um, it, it, DEA was a very much smaller agency back then. You know, and I was in Newark, and I got sent to Boston. I signed to Boston, and um, it, was, it was crazy. I learned my four years in DEA would be like six, seven years anywhere else. I learned a lot. A lot. Like, what would you do? What would be, like, a, a typical day's work? Not a typical day's work, an interesting day's work. Like, when, you, when it's really like, okay, it's, it's, it's today is go day. Like, what would happen? What would you do? Oh, back then? And, and I was a kid, keep in mind. I was a 22-year-old kid yeah. when I joined DEA. So, um, depending on, you could be doing undercover work. Back then, you did a lot of undercover work. Undercover you buy, work? You, you buy drugs or, or you do surveillance work or you would have, be a case agent. Right, interview people back then. Back you then actually, you actually bought drugs from somebody. Yes, I did. And how would you uh, go about that? I mean, what what kind of clothes did you wear? Oh, back then, just wear you know jeans. For me, it was easy because I grew up. I grew up around here, so for me, it was like I was around that stuff all the time. Did so. they ever sniff you out? Like, wait a second, what's the word? Narc. We got a <laughs> narc. Did they ever? Did they ever? Did that ever happen? To, were they no. suspect? No, you could pull it off, huh? Yeah, I could pull it off. What kind of drugs were you buying? Well, back then, the big thing was uh, was cocaine and crack. Well, cocaine is still very much in, yeah. and so is crack to a yeah. lesser extent. Yeah. And wow, all right. So, and then under surveillance, you'd have people under surveillance, like stakeout, right? Yeah, stakeout. You do a, you know, you do a, you 
somebody introduced you to somebody. Everybody, you had your cover story. You know, I was a kid supposedly selling to college kids. The, you know, Boston's a big college town. Yeah. So you go there, you know, and I had the New York accent. I was kind of a New York guy, so um, so I fit right in. And, you know, and it was, um, it was as a young kid, it was nerve-wracking, but, but fun after a while. Wait, wait a bit. Wait, did you go undercover as a student? No, as somebody who would sell to colleges. That was sell my, to that college was my You were selling to the college students? College kids, yeah. And then you would arrest them when they when they bought? No, no, we would we were dealing with high level people, kilos. We were dealing kilos. Yeah. And the other thing, when you bought drugs from somebody, would you throw the cuffs on them right away afterwards? Well, usually you had the arrest team do that. They would back. They would come yeah, yeah. in. They would watch what you. That's incredible. And hopefully work. they come in quick. Otherwise, you're sitting there. Yeah. It, it could get nerve wracking. What's the best movie about this stuff? I think the best. Organized crime movie is like Goodfellas. Goodfellas. I think that's that, and I think The Sopranos was fairly realistic. Now there's a movie called uh, Falcon and the Snowman. It's about spies. Do me a favor. Can you stick around after the break? Sure. Yeah. yeah sure. All right. Uh, Falcon and the Snowman with Sean Penn and Timothy Hutton. It's yeah. mostly about espionage, but in the early part of the movie, there are some drug scenes, huh. and they always struck me as very realistic. Would you do me a favor and watch that movie? I, I definitely will. I remember the movie. It's been a while. Yeah. It's, a good, it's, it's good. Great soundtrack, too. All right. Give me a moment. Hey, is Salmon Rushdie still alive? <laughs> good. He is. All right. Be right back. Greg Kelly. Entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, we're back. George Venizelos, former FBI agent. He was in charge of the New York office. And uh, look, I, uh, they're still showing this footage of Salmon Rushdie getting stabbed on stage outside of Buffalo. Wow. Uh, he's alive right now. We hope it stays that way. Unfortunately, Ann Haish, who drove her car into some lady's house, it looks like she's going to die. Is she dead already? All right. Wait, she's dead. Wait, no, no, no. Well, I know, but Jackie just, Jacqueline is saying she's dead, dead. She's dead? Anne Heche is dead? Are you sure? Let me look at this. Wow. All right, she's dead. That's too bad. Um, You know, and it brings me back to kind of what we were talking about before, fame and fortune. You think that's the, you think that's the key to it all? It ain't. It ain't. And these, oh, well, actually, I'm not seeing this. Ellen DeGeneres sends love to X. I uh, still have our actress dead. Here it is. She's dead. Anne Heche. Funny, after the, hey, Judge, after the accident, I saw her get up. She tried to get up from the stretcher. That had to be a suicide attempt. That had to be a suicide attempt. Uh, I would, it just seems like a way to me. Judge Weinberg uh, joins George and me. Judge, have you looked at the, uh, how you doing, first of all? Just right into that. It's fine. You know, you can hear me. Uh, what do you think, uh, what do you think of the, what we're hearing? Did you see the, uh, the contents yet? No, this is the... Uh, yeah, Washington. go ahead and read that. Go ahead and read that. So they found a bunch of boxes in Trump's Mar-a-Lago, as you would, and a lot of it's classified, as you would. If you're a former president of the United States, you're a president of the United States, everything you get is basically classified. I don't see what the big deal is. I think this is another attempt to get Trump, obviously. And, you know, the Merrick Garland, and this is for you, George, um, mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. They were always bullying him. They were always pushing him around. Uh, the left wanted him to do something, and he was reluctant to do so. Let me see here. Uh, where are they just uh, – yeah, listen to this. Cut 17, please. Cut 17. 
It wasn't a raid on his house. No doors were kicked down. It's all legal. It's all lawful. It's not a raid. And I know Donald Trump is saying that this is a raid, but that's a gross exaggeration. We have to be careful not to adopt the term raid. The only reason you'd have an, uh, a search like this, and let's be polite and call it a search and not a raid. Trump talks about a raid on his home. No, man, there was no raid on your home. This was not a raid. We should not think of this as the FBI in the middle of the night banging down the door with someone answering in their boxer shorts. Explain to us what today would have looked like, because it's definitely being mischaracterized by a lot of folks out there. All right, stop. Okay, number one, that's the second issue about the raid. It's a raid. When they show up, yeah, it may not look like they're not scaling down walls. I was at the Friars Club, by the way, when they were raided. All right, that was a raid. Guys walking around with jackets, looking at computers and looking through boxes. That's a raid. George, FBI agent, I mean, they're well, quibbling about the term raid. Is this a raid? Fair enough. And, and, and you know, <laughs> let's be real here. It's somatics. It's a, it, they're taking control of the property for as long as they need it. So taking control. Look, right. in everyday speech, unless it's, now they're trying to explain this away, it's a raid. Now I want to play the the other cut seventeen, please, where they're bullying Merrick Garland, and I think he caved. Cut seventeen. Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle right, of guys, the justice. I think I, I okay seventeen. One seven. All right. It's in the A block. One seven. Right at the top of the page. You guys got that? I got three people trying to figure out what number 17 looks like. Number 17. Go ahead. No, no. All right. Too much. You're stumped. Too bad. Um, I've heard it. You've heard it that people on MSNBC um, in Congress, people like Elaine Luria. Actually, do me a favor. Try cut 18. Do we have that? 1, 8, 18. The 1 represents 10. 8 is 8 numerals above 10 equals 18. 18. Attorney General Garland, do your job so that we can do ours. Judge Weinberg. Yes, sir. People like uh, her, a Democrat member of Congress, the media have been saying things like, where is Merrick Garland? President Trump and uh, President Biden even said made it known through The New York Times that he's getting impatient, that Donald Trump, he believes, is a threat to democracy. Why isn't Merrick Garland acting more like a prosecutor than a judge? Isn't it reasonable to think that he was feeling pressure and this would be more appropriately assigned to an independent counsel? That's not a legal opinion you're asking for. That's a political opinion on the political opinion. I, I think it's obvious that they're putting pressure on him. Well, wait a second. I mean, legal. No, no, no. I, I mean that seriously. Yeah. Okay. They have no legal authority to make him do anything. He decided that he was going to do it. Now, did he cave to pressure? Circumstantially, it looks like he's under a lot of pressure, so he did it. But the larger question, the larger question to me, and everybody's been playing around on this, is number one, what is the basis for this search warrant? The if basis he, is they hate Trump. Fine. Judge, I'm going to cut through the because I can get I'm the client. No, as the client, I can get a lawyer to intellectualize whatever gripe I have. And they have a gripe with Trump. They think he's a threat to democracy. Right. And I think that I no, just are you, hear are me you, out because there's a political there's a political and a legal aspect to this. Judge uh, Judge Weinberg, Merrick Garland was a judge before he was attorney general. That's all correct. right. And he's attorney general. 
And whether I say it directly or indirectly, this guy's a threat. And you know what? Let's lean on Merrick Garland, and uh, I'll get my friends in the media to lean on Merrick Garland. Let's say you're the attorney general. Cut 17, please. I think we've discovered what 17 looks like. Why is Merrick Garland allowing this nonsense to continue? <laughs> he's such a he, he's such an institutionalist that maybe he's too afraid to go after Trump. Merrick Garland, if you indict Trump, you'll be my person of the year, yeah. of the decade. All right, that's a little taste. So if he's feeling that, he's a human being. I mean, these are not law statues making these decisions. You could see him coming up with a justification to do what his political masters want. Let's, may I double back and tell you from a legal perspective? Politically, I think yeah, you're onto something. I think he's under tremendous pressure. And whether he caves to the pressure or not, I wasn't in his mind. But that's, that's a reasonable conclusion that he did. But, but the short answer is why do they have to issue a search warrant? If he was already compliant, as if he was giving up documents, there was a grand jury subpoena he was responsive to. There was ongoing negotiations and discussions with his lawyers and the Justice Department dealing with with this, why launch a search warrant? So what I want to know, and this is the key question, and this is what everybody should focus on, because they're going in before the judge today and probably again Monday, they're going to have a discussion about what should be revealed. Now, everybody's saying they're going to reveal the search warrant. Well, that's very nice, but I executed, as an assistant attorney general, some search warrants, and as a judge, I probably issued about 1,000 search warrants. So the real question is, What's in the supporting affidavit mm. that shows the probable cause? Who's the person who swore? What was the basis of the knowledge? Were they credible? Were they reliable? And what crime do they believe they had probable cause for? Okay, and what the sufficient evidence is to establish that? That's what people should see because that's the real story. Well, it's the real story. It's the real allegation. It's not necessarily the real no, story. I it's an allegation. Real, no, I mean the real story underlying what, what's, what's there. Let's, for example— if a good judge, when they have before them an application for a search warrant, will have the case agent and the prosecutor, and he or she, the judge, will ask questions about what's the basis of your knowledge? Were you there? Did you see it? Was it hearsay? Was it was it not hearsay? Uh, was it based on an informant? Some, what did the informant, some, what did the informant know? Was he previously reliable? But judge, judge, some judges will do that. Others will say, oh, you're the FBI. I trust you guys. I'm just going to sign this, right? That's what happened in the FISA court, wasn't it? Well, they totally misrepresented. It was misrepresented to the FBI the basis of the of the evidence the, before the, 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 the judges. F- the FBI misrepresented their own application. Right. They lied on an application. And you had an attorney for the Justice Department who changed a document. It was submitted to the FISA court, and yet they issued four FISA warrants. And this is where the fake news comes in, because I do think they're the enemy of the people. They have created this um, cloud around Donald Trump. They've been doing it for years, that this man is a total menace, that this man is a Russian agent, all these things, all these horror. Now he's a threat to democracy, right? And you could get normal people would, I think, be more likely to sign off on something than not because he's been so demonized. If you're a normal person and you're not consumed with this stuff day in and day out, it's very easy to think that Donald Trump is a monster because you hear it all the time on NBC News. You hear it on MSNBC. He's a racist. He's a Nazi. He's a sexual predator. He's this. He's that. All the time. So that, I believe, can color, can impact a judge, Judge Reinhardt, uh, juries, uh, you name it. They're going to, if they're not political, if they're not consuming news, they're just going about their lives, they're going to pick up on this. I think that's a point well taken. 
All right, Judge. I don't mean to project on you. <laughs> Forgive me. I mean, I, I, I'm no, shooting. I, think, I think it's very interesting because my take on this thing is very, very simple. If he was compliant, if he was giving up documents, if there was ongoing negotiations, why did they rush to pull the button for the uh, for the search warrant? Or why did they delay also? Because this stuff was percolating in June. Um, you know, we have the midterm elections in less than three months. Well, Less than three months away, we have midterm elections. I'm not a big fan of uh, coincidences. I don't believe in coincidences. Why is it uh, that the Attorney General of the State of New York had the next day a deposition scheduled for him in the civil proceeding? Why is it that the United States uh, Court of Appeals in the District of Columbia uh, almost simultaneously backed the Ways and Means Committee of the House, controlled by the Democrats, and uh, made him turn over his, uh, his records, his tax records? What is that all about? There's a lot of coincidences. As you point out, you're coming up on the uh, on the midterms. And Joe Biden is nowhere to be seen. He's in seclusion at somebody's house in South Carolina, a major $20 million place. He's totally off the he's, – he's, nobody sees him. No questions for him. This is wild. They wanted to own August, but I think it's going to blow up in their face. I really do. I just don't think it's going to work out for – people are seeing it. People are People are seeing this. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of sad for the country what's going on. It really is. It really I, is. I, I think so. I think so. Now, listen, Judge, I understand. You probably – have you ever met Merrick Garland? No. No? No. He was a man of very, uh, very strong reputation when his name was first floated for the United States Supreme Court. I, I heard he was, a, he was a smart fellow and he was a good judge. I never met him. Well – I'm going to take a step back also. Just last week, if you don't mind, and we're almost there, but he uh, arrested a bunch of cops associated with the Breonna Taylor case. Breonna Taylor, you know, and uh, well, here he is. Just last week, Merrick Garland cut 20. Earlier today, I spoke with the family of Breonna Taylor. This morning, they were informed that the Justice Department has charged four current and former Louisville Metro Police Department officers with federal crimes related to Ms. Taylor's death. Brianna Taylor should be alive today. The Justice Department is committed to defending and protecting the civil rights of every person in this country. Brianna Taylor, this happened March 13th of 2020. It is now two and a half years after that, and they're filing federal charges. The FBI arrested four police officers, I think one former three current police officers. And they don't point out that, by the way, you know, this guy was a drug dealer. He fired first. He fired through the door. The attorney general of Kentucky ruled that there was no crime committed by the cops. Can you explain, Judge, a little bit about the civil case, you know, violating somebody's civil rights? I understand when you shoot him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Those yeah, civil rights may ultimate, have been violated. That's, that's the ultimate denial, isn't but, it? But, but like, why would they fed? Why would they make a federal case out of this? The whole purpose of the federal statute was to give a different venue. If you couldn't succeed on state charges, you go after them on federal charges. That's, but, that was that was the legislative purpose and intent. The intent gave but, another venue to go after whoever you want to go after. And, but justify, a, justifiably or unjustifiably. It was another era, though, where it actually served a great purpose, like. Alabama, segregationist, you know what I mean, uh, lynch mobs, that kind of thing. If a corrupt prosecutor and a jury 
look the other way when a black man was lynched. You'd want the federal authorities well, to come me, in. Greg, let me ask you a question. Yeah. It's just been, uh, it's just been announced that it was an indictment of uh, some Iranian who uh, was hired to uh, commit a, a political assassination on Ambassador Bolton. It was also looking after he took out Bolton to go after former Secretary of State Pompeo. Okay, that's been known alive and well since uh, March of this year. Why is it now that they just uh, did the indictment or released the indictment? Does that have anything to do with uh, the fact that the Biden administration keeps pushing an Iran deal and they don't want to cloud the record with a little bit of facts that they're putting contracts out on our officials? Another coincidence? Yeah, no, that, all right, wait, okay. My head's spinning now. Wait, I understand about the uh, the indictment. And getting back to what I was saying about, real quick, about Alabama, just that's when you want the federal authorities to, you know, exactly. okay, you corrupt you corrupt uh, hillbillies, we're going to straighten this out. That's but exactly that was right. another era. I don't think Daniel Cameron, the attorney general from Kentucky, is a corrupt hillbilly. Actually, he's a superstar, and I think he did the right thing in the Breonna Taylor case. But getting back to... I don't understand. Why would they? So why do you think what would be their motivation in holding on to that all these months? Because the Biden administration has been pushing and pushing and pushing to resurrect Obama's deal with Iran. They're committed to doing that, whatever the cost it is to uh, the United States or United States allies in the Middle East and the destabilization of the relationships in, in the Middle East. And they keep pushing for it. They keep begging for a deal. And if they announced earlier, they thought it would because they thought they were on the cusp of having a deal, which they, they may well be now, but they were afraid that this would undermine. Releasing information about Bolton and Pompeo would undermine the negotiations, the ability to consummate the deal. So why don't you ask the question, why was that held back? Have they reached a new deal yet? Based on what I've read as of uh, this morning, they keep pushing for it. They've made, once again, they've made a last and final offer, and they better hurry up and get it, they've told the Iranians, until the next time they delay it. Well, they'll... The last deal was such a disaster. Trump pulled out of it. These guys are not negotiators. They're not good. Listen, gentlemen, you're both brilliant. Thank you for sharing your insights and your wisdom and your perspective. Judge, thank you. George, thank you. To be continued. Let's do this more often, okay? You know where to find us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got these great brainiacs who work right upstairs. Amazing experience and insight. Thank you, gentlemen. I got to take a Thanks, quick Greg. break. Thank you. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Please. I love those guys, the judge and George Zenelis. They're great, uh, great insight. Great. Uh, now it's time. Now it's back to me and back to you. Before we go away on the weekend, I want to hear from uh, you guys. Uh, let's go to Tony in Westchester. Hi. Hey, Greg. There's so many things, and your experts went over them, but one of them was that this. This magistrate, I think it's Reichart, he recused himself several weeks or months ago from uh, something involving Trump and Hillary, but he didn't recuse himself on this one. And Bill O'Reilly had this expert also formerly with the FBI and, you know, all deference to George, but they tend to defend their own. And he spoke very highly of this Reichart. And Bill didn't, you know, mention this. Maybe he didn't know it at the time of the broadcast that this this magistrate had recused himself before. Well, and, I think I, look, it, it wasn't this magistrate. You could have gotten another magistrate to to sign it or another judge. 
I'm pretty confident in this. It doesn't really matter who the judge is. And somebody else brought up, you know, he represented, uh, what was that guy's name? Jeffrey Epstein. Again, I don't think that's a big deal. If you're a good lawyer in South Florida and it's 2006, there's a damn good chance you got you were called by Jeffrey Epstein. Heck, one of my heroes, um, Alan Dershowitz, did a little work for Jeffrey Epstein. Our country works that way. One of the greatest lawyers ever, F. Lee Bailey, represented the Boston Strangler. That's the way it works. But anyway, Tony, good stuff. I got to keep going. Uh, John in New Jersey, yeah. Yeah. Hi, Greg. No, 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 no. Hold on, John. I want the other John in New Jersey. The John in Ninja. Yeah, yeah, you. Hi, yes, what's up? Hey. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Greg. Yeah, yesterday you played a clip from uh, the uh, Godfather 2 where Michael Corleone talks in front of the Senate committee, and he mentioned that he was awarded the Navy Cross. Yeah, that wasn't me. I didn't play that clip, but I know the scene you're talking about. What about it? Well, if you go back to the first movie... When he shows up at his sister's oh, wedding, give me a break. He's not wearing that medal. Is that what? Right. The uh, silver star. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think he actually. Uh, so you're talking about a, a technical error in a movie from 50 years ago. Yeah. All right. Thanks, uh, John. Come on. It's a classic. All right. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, John. Thank you, uh, John in New Jersey. Should have stuck with you to begin with. What's up? Yes. Yeah, John, thank you. It's the first time speaking with you. I hope things are okay. I got a couple things I want to make as short as possible. One, I believe 100% what you're saying. They're making it up just like they did in 2016. But you know why exactly they're doing this. It's not only because they hate Trump. They don't want to give up their power. They're going to lie and cheat again and do it. And this is part of it just to make the public more confused when they go to vote. Okay, that's what I believe. And uh, I'm 100 percent for Donald Trump. And I believe, like you, in God, in Christ, he is on our side. The evil people, whoever they are, are they're not going to win. Uh, in any, in any, and no matter what it takes, they're not going to win. But evil don't stop. And I have something to say uh, um, for all of us, including myself. The only way that I know that we can, when we read the Bible, God's Word, or we go to church on Sunday or holidays, the only way we can get God's wisdom and His blessing for all of us is to put God first from our heart to God's heart. Then we have God's wisdom, and then we make better decisions and better choices. And that's what's missing for everybody, including these evil people in our government. But we have to—God goes by individual that he wants all of us to come to him, but he's waiting on us individually to do that. And the only way we can do that is to put him first. Like it says, his two greatest commandments, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Second is just like the first, love and care for your fellow man. I found out for myself, I cannot love my fellow man unless I put God first. And I, I I have been doing that. And then you can't hate others. And then you can't do evil. That's what's missing for all of us. 
John, I'm so glad you called. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, very powerful, powerful testimony. Keep it coming. Call me back next week. Call anytime. I agree a thousand percent. Uh, I gotta go now. It's the end of the show. And I'm off tonight from Newsmax. I think Carl Higby is filling in. Great guy. Hell of a great show for you. And that's it. Let's have a great week. And uh, we are going to win. We are going to win. Take care, everybody. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.